0: I was so blessed last week to worship along with you from home, Uh, and uh, this morning, as I uh, came, we had a a little bit of a technical difficulty with something, and uh, opened the door of the truck, and I heard Nissa's powerful voice praising God, the Lord is on this campus, amen, the Lord is present among us. Oh, I'm full of great uh, gratefulness to so many people as I look at you. It's going to be hard just uh, sharing with you. I love you so much. I haven't seen you. Uh, <laughs> excuse me. It's been a long time, and I thought of a passage of Scripture from the Psalms that I thought would be a good call to worship, and we've already been worshiping, but... You know, you can use more than one call to worship, amen? And it's this from the Psalms. Maybe you can help me finish it because I might get get it out. You might have to help me finish the whole message as far as that goes. It goes like this. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. And here we are. In the presence of the Lord, now you know it's not a physical building because we're actually, in that sense, we'd be outside the house of the Lord, right? But you are the house of God. Our physical bodies are the house of the Holy Spirit and uh, our lives together, all y'all in Greek, it's a plural. All y'all are the temple of the Holy Spirit. God lives among you. I'm filled with gratitude to see you, these chairs, look at you all, masks on, uh, socially distancing, I look at uh, green grass where a couple months ago this was really brown grass and thank uh, Mr. Billy Lopez and the property team but also just for setting up and uh, figuring out a stage and figuring out sound systems and I'm just full of gratitude. I'm full of gratitude for my cohort in crying well ministry, uh, Pastor Brandon and just his graciousness to uh, uh, walk with me and encourage me and just at a moment's notice literally ready to step in and fill in. I'm grateful to Sergio running our sound. I'm grateful to Chad running our video, getting us online uh, and under a great degree of difficulty, especially last week, where we had some Wi-Fi connectivity problems initially and got things worked out. And Billy Vasquez making sure that watching online, people have the, the kind of the, uh, the outline to follow. Uh, I'm, just, I'm, I'm grateful upon grateful upon grateful when I look at you. I want to talk to you today uh, from continuing the series, or interrupting Pastor Brandon's series, but I'm continuing with a series from two weeks back on Ecclesiastes 3. That's called, There is a Time for Everything, and a Season for Every Activity Under the Heavens. Who imagined six months ago that it would take us six months to get back together to worship God in the same place. Who would have imagined we'd have a president and first lady test positive for coronavirus? Who'd imagine we'd have many of us people that we know and love impacted by coronavirus? I've had several scares within uh, our own family and God has been gracious and has preserved and protected us. Uh, Who would imagine that Super Bowl champions would be impacted by coronavirus and have NFL football games with the, the uh, Kansas City Chiefs uh, put off or postponed because uh, NFL teams, despite their regu- str- uh, strident regulations, uh, would contract this coronavirus. Uh, but here we are, there is a time for everything, whether we like it or not. There's a season for every activity under the heavens. Proverbs thirteen twenty tells us this. It says, walk with the wise, and become wise. Walk with the wise and become wise. And I suppose we could also vary that as well, couldn't we? We could say a companion of fools is in a heap of trouble in the original Hebrew it says. all right, uh, Who you hang out with is going to impact you. And I've been uh, so blessed uh, contemplating this series and then preparing this series and, and uh, walking with uh, several mentors of mine. One uh, home with the Lord named... Uh, uh, Dr. David Allen Hubbard, who was an Old Testament mentor at Fuller Theological Seminary, a very godly man, and and his uh, teaching in the wisdom literature of Scripture was deeply impactful in my life. And then uh, Dr. Bruce Waltke at Regent College in Vancouver, who's in his 90s now, still preaching the Word of God, and uh, a message he gave one Sunday in Vancouver on the book of Ecclesiastes was, life changing and life-giving so I've been able to renew acquaintances virtually uh, through their books through their writings through their audios and I've been blessed and I don't know if you can tell that I have become wise or I'm becoming wiser more wise I hope but I've done the part I can control I'm trying to walk with the wise and uh, blessings on you for being here to walk with the wise, to, to come into the house of God, with the people of God, to open together the word of God, to be equipped for the work of God, to be a blessing in the world of God, for all the people of God, even those who don't know that they're his children. I want to read simply, and the first part of this outline is going to look very familiar if you were with us two weeks ago online. But I'm going to read for you, and I'm going to just walk back uh A couple of principles and then add uh, to a a layer on top of what we've uh, been looking at. Ecclesiastes 3 verse 1, there is a time for everything. There is a season for every activity under the heavens. There is a time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones, and a time to gather them, a time to embrace, and like these days with COVID-19, a a time to refrain (laughs) from embracing. I'm giving you hugs in my heart, okay? I'm giving you left elbows of fellowship in my heart. Holy kiss, I'll keep my mask on, you too a time to search, and much more painfully, a time to give up, a time to keep, and a time to throw away. That would be 2020 for many of us, wouldn't it? Time to throw away, a time to tear, that's happened in so many of our hearts and lives, and a time to mend, a time to be silent, and a time to speak, a time to love, and a time to hate, a time for war, and a time for peace. Standing back from these pairs of really opposites that impact all of us at one time or another in our lives. There's no escaping most of these in the human life. The author asks, what do workers gain from their toil? In other words, is it all worth it? Is life worth it? Is all the effort of life and, and, and working and all the extra kinds of work that we have to do in this season? or?" Uh, Sometimes the, the lack of work happening in this season. What do you gain? Is it worth it? I have seen the burden that God has laid on the human race. God has us here in his time, under his hand, in his presence, with his people, with his word, with his Holy Spirit, walking up and down and making physical contact and spiritual contact with us. He is here, but he has laid this burden on the human race. The burden is called life. It's called the seasons for everything. It's called the season for every activity we can imagine. But verse 11 says that God has made everything beautiful in its time. He's made everything beautiful in its time. There's something of deep beauty and appropriateness in everything in life. Starting from the beginning, there's a time to be born and a time to die. And we've gone through these seasons over the past six months. Some of you have lost people who are very, very precious to me, to you. Uh, really, all of us in the Bethany family, we've had losses that are deep. And we we would prefer just to have the time to be born, but God has created life in such a way that on this planet it isn't permanent. We have a future, and our dying on earth is a transition to life that never ends in the presence of God. But these times, they come whether we like it or not, and there's a beauty in that if we can see things from God's perspective, which we almost have to or we long to, Because look at this next line, God has also set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. God has set eternity in the human heart. There's something that God has placed into every human being to try to figure things out, try to understand how things work. I'm blessed today to have a couple of my grandkids here, little Ellis And little Luca, welcome to uh, Shelby and Ryan and little Luca uh, visiting us today from Okinawa. Permanently, praise God, and we are so glad to have you back. But my little grandkids are inquisitive and they're curious and they wanna know why and they they just ask questions and they don't stop. I'm sharing my study. I don't even know if it's my study anymore to be candid with you, but I'm sharing it with little Luca, it's his bedroom. Uh, And so really, honestly, people say it's, uh, you know, oh, that's back in your study. They don't really say that anymore. They say it's back in Luca's room. And that's just the way life works. And Luca, from the time he gets up, is going to ask questions. And he's going to look and try to figure things out. God has placed that in the human heart for us to figure out things. Uh, Little Ellis, when she gets together with her cousin that she's only been around for couple weeks at a time uh, in his uh, now two years of life and she just wants to hug him she just wants to be close to him and and uh, when they were here a year ago he was just kind of learning to walk and ellis is just going to love on him and hug him which means both of them go down pretty much because she's just a little bit over two about two and a half uh, herself uh, but it's just important to her there's something that god has put into our heart that It's not really almost controllable. It needs to happen. Little Luke is going to wake up, and almost always every morning, the first thing he says is a deeply profound theological phrase. It's this. It's tachio. Tachio. It it actually, technically, the word, when you spell it in English, starts with a V, vacio, vacuum. He loves the vacuum Cleaner, the vacuum machine, any kind of vacuum. In fact, friends of theirs from Okinawa sent him a birthday gift, and it's a toy vacuum. And the joy—you thought he'd gotten, you know, a pony or something like that—and he just, we put it together. He, he gets up, he just turns that thing on. You know, we've got a little rotating floor vacuum. He wants to turn that thing on at any time, day or night. He gets up in the morning, vacuum, vacuum. He, he knows every button. He knows how to control the computer from down here. He's got to reach his hands up. He, he can do things that I don't even know what he's doing on the computer, but it's just random hand movements and stuff begins to happen and change. And, you know, where's my message? And I go over here, and then the printer is being turned on and off and opened and closed. And it's just like he is in perpetual motion. He, God has put eternity in his heart, and he needs to figure stuff out. you understand that process? I, I many times have wished that God had created me different from who I am. Some of you would say, amen. Yeah, that's fine. I understand that process, right? But, but I, I, I wake up in the morning and I wonder. I, I don't say, I wish I could just wake up and say, oh, what a beautiful morning, you know. Instead, I wake up and say, who, who am I? Where am I? What's happening? What's going on? Why am I here? What's the meaning of life? I ask weird questions. Why? Because God has put eternity in my heart. You you can laugh at me. You ask some weird questions yourself. Admit it. Some of us won't admit it because it's embarrassing. The kinds of things that we stew about, we we worry about, we obsess about. God has put eternity in our hearts. And yet no, no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. Isn't that interesting? God has made us such that we need to understand the reason why. We need to understand who we are. We need to understand where we are. We need to understand why we're here. And yet God has made life such that we don't ever fully get it. That means life is something you and I cannot control. And I believe the writer of Ecclesiastes would have us respond in the only way appropriate in a situation where you're in some place that you cannot control, I think all we can do is fall to our knees in humility and then in worship and say, I am not God. God in Scripture over and over speaks for himself and says, I am God, he says, and there is no other, including you, Doug, and including you, your name here. God is God and there is no other. He has put eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. But there is something that we do know in the middle of confusion, in the middle of of the difficulties of life. Verse 12, I know that there is nothing better for people than to be happy. New American Standard and other translations say to rejoice. Nothing better for people than to rejoice and to do good while they live that each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all their toil. This is the gift of God. This is the gift of God. God has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart and yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end, but God has given us some gifts. I, I know that everything that God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it, nothing taken from it, and God does it so that you and I, human beings, will fear him. And that word fear, the fear of the Lord in the Old Testament, is the, the presence of the Lord and the companionship of the Holy Spirit and the embrace of the Father as we study the New Testament. God did it so people will fear him. God did it, New American Standard says, so that people will be in awe before him in his presence. The voice translation says, we humans can only stand in awe of what God has done. Whatever is, has already been. And what will be, has been before. But God will call the past to account. What is... Solomon know about our lives just walking through it. That's why these are filled in for you. Well, he's honest. Sometimes life can feel a little meaningless. What do workers gain from their toil? He's realistic that often life can be pretty hard. Anybody out there say amen? Anybody out there just raise your hand and say life can be pretty hard? Anybody out there too tired to raise your hand? Yep, yep. Often life can be pretty hard. I have seen the burden that God has laid on the human race. And this writer, this thinker, this theologian, philosopher is credible. Because generally speaking, life is confusing. No one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. And the most elemental question that human beings can ask is a question, why? Why God? Why COVID-19? Why coronavirus? Why this season? Why my struggles? Why my losses? Why have I gone through times of grieving those who have died or times of uprooting or times where I I feel like something has died, a time to kill? Why, God, have I felt sometimes times of being torn down and sometimes weeping and mourning? Sometimes, God, just a time where I could scatter stones and a time to gather them. You see, our lives don't last forever, even though it might feel like it. But number two, he understands that life isn't easy, and yet it's beautiful, and he's talked about and thought about these polarities. I want to ask Pastor Brandon, to, since he's used to doing things at the last minute, virtually, whether it's uh, being part of the worship team, uh, or yet yeah, just yeah, you'll just you're, you're going to know what to do. You brought you brought your instrument, and I just want you to come and just kind of help us to just walk into God's presence together would you look for a moment I want you to take maybe two minutes I guess Pastor Brand just to, to play something just to remind us that we are already in the presence of the living God right the trees of the field will clap their hands if we don't amen and I want you to look at that list of ver- uh, from verse 2 through verse 8 and for a moment would you just reflect and say what seasons do you most enjoy that's a, that's a better question than the one that's about to come, okay? Which season do you most enjoy? I, I prefer a time of planting to the time of uprooting, right? Although sometimes uprooting is necessary if you want to plant, right? I, I prefer the time to heal after a time when I've experienced some death. I, I prefer building instead of tearing down, or laughing and dancing instead of weeping and mourning. Would you just look through and maybe circle What seasons do you most enjoy? I'd sure rather embrace this morning than to refrain. I don't want to give up. I want to keep searching. I don't want to give up. There are times we want to hang on to and never let go of. That's that's God's gift to you and I of our memories. It's a time to keep. Sometimes we're tempted to throw it away. I preferred mending when i've been torn time to be silent and time to teep. it depends what's appropriate at that moment what seasons do you most enjoy and then maybe underline or cross out i like to do that sometimes even though you're not crossing out god's word but the idea of god this is just so pressingly difficult for me what seasons do you absolutely dread the irony of life is that the longer I live the more I experience death in people that I love around me when you're a human being in relationship you're going to experience loss you're going to experience death and the third question is this maybe star or asterisk or something beside it what season are you in right now what season are you in right now One of the phrases that sticks out to me from this pairs of opposites is verse 5, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. It's kind of a weird phrase, isn't it? A time to scatter stones, a time to gather them. What do you do with stones? Think back into the Old Testament agrarian culture that these people of God lived in. Why did they gather stones? Well, they gathered stones in the Old Testament. Anybody just kind of call out if you can do it. I'm hearing Madeline. I was expecting Madeline. Go ahead. To build walls, protection. There are times we need protection, amen? Feel a little little exposed, a little vulnerable in life today. Any other reasons you would gather stones? To skip them. (laughs) I like that. Hey, there's a time to laugh. Thank you very much. I love skipping stones across a placid lake or river. Reminds me I haven't had a vacation for quite a while. and gotten out in the lake or river. Why else do you gather stones in the Old Testament? There we go. Our worship leader, Anissa, gave us to build a monument to the Lord, to gather stones. Here I raise my Ebenezer, the old hymn. It's a It's a pile of stones that you look at and you remember later and say, Truly, God was here. God is in this place. God met me at this time, and we need those, and those happen throughout our lives, and we so easily forget. Gene Ford, years ago, encouraged me to put a drawer in my desk. It's still there. It's packed with memories, cards, notes that maybe I've gotten from people or things that God has done just to, to see them again and remember what God has done. Done. How about a time to scatter stones? In the Old Testament, anybody, anybody well-known for scattering some stones? Think about five stones. Who scattered stones? David and Goliath. Why did he scatter stones? God's name was not being honored. And a man was blaspheming. And God told him to stand on behalf of the whole nation. And he was just a kid. He was barely a teenager. He was looked down upon his family. He wasn't valued. They, They had... Seven older brothers, big, strapping, powerful guys, and God says, let's get all these guys together. They were valued. He was out with the smelly sheep, but God picked him to deliver the nation. He scattered stones. We also gather stones to build something, to construct something, and sometimes we have to scatter stones to do that. What season are you in? I'd love to hear. Pastor Brandon, thank you so much. No, I'm good. I'm good. We're good. what season are you in? we'd love to hear from you. Pastor Banner earlier asked you to, to let us know if you're watching online. Please do. Please kind of comment. Please tell us what season are you in right now or maybe the other two questions. Which seasons do you most enjoy? Which seasons do you absolutely dread? If you want to sh- share a reason even that you feel sometimes maybe stuck in a season, share that so we know how to pray for you. But how do we learn to see the beauty in our seasons? Three, three ways. Letter A, we can learn to expect them. They're going to come. They're inevitable. We can learn, letter B, to detect them. Oh, I'm in a season right now, right? I, I, I feel what's going on. I sense what's going on. And we need to identify that, understand what's going on. And letter C, we can learn to navigate them. We left off a couple weeks ago with that phrase. We can learn to navigate them. The question always for us is, how do we do that? How do we do that? And and the writer of Ecclesiastes doesn't just leave us hanging. He gives us some ways for us to navigate our seasons, our difficult, our painful seasons. I'm just going to give you one this morning, really from the passage. Page uh, number three, write down, we can enjoy God's simple everyday gifts. We can enjoy God's simple, everyday gifts. Going back to just two verses, verses 12 and 13, and just kind of sitting there for a moment. I know that there is nothing better for people than to rejoice, to do good while they live, that each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all their hard work. Because underline what's already underlined. This is the gift of God. Letter A, rejoice. That's the first thing. We've got five things we're given. We're not going to get to the five. We're going to get to the one. I suspected that already. Rejoice. We're told in the New Testament the same thing, aren't we? Paul says rejoice in the Lord always. He qualifies the, the command to rejoice by saying rejoice, number one, in the Lord Because you and I are in the Lord. You you can say, well, Pastor, I don't feel like I'm in the Lord. I feel like I'm in a pickle. I feel like I'm in a tough spot. I feel like I'm in an impossible situation. I feel like I'm in a grief or depression that will not stop, will not end, won't go away. I feel like I'm grieving a loss, but people are saying, well, you know, time heals all wounds. It's time for you now to suck it up and move on. And yet your heart still feels broken. But you can rejoice in the Lord and you can do that Paul's second qualification. Always, where's Paul writing when he tells the church at Philippi to rejoice in the Lord, always? He's writing from a cold, dank, dark, subterranean cellar called the Mamertine Prison in Rome where they had to lower Paul through a, a hole in the upper floor down into this cave essentially where he'd be shackled nonstop to one of the Praetorian guard, one of Caesar's elite. And he writes or he dictates to a friend who writes, and you, some of you can, you can visit this place. You can see a, this little cave with kind of a, a little ledge on the wall where maybe Paul who's cold and missing his coat, he wrote to Timothy later and, and most important thing that you can miss when you miss something, he was missing. I said, bring my books, bring my, bring my writings and the code I left behind. And he could lean on the wall or the, the secretary or the, the amanuensis it's called, who will take this dictation. And he says, I'm about to close this letter. What do I need to tell people? Oh, take joy, find joy, seek joy, discover joy rejoice in but rejoice in the Lord because when you can't rejoice in the world or in your city or in your circumstances you can rejoice in the Lord and who God is and what God has done and what God has taught you what God has spoken how God has been with you and do that at all times always i'll say it again rejoice 1 Thessalonians 5 he says the same thing he says rejoice always one way you can do that pray continually Another way you can do that is give thanks in all circumstances. Every day, wake up and go to bed and give thanks for something that God has done. Some way that God has been gracious. Why? Because this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. What? To rejoice always, to pray continually, to give thanks in all circumstances. Our life should be overflowing with thankfulness. Because that's the way, verse 19, that we that we refuse to put out the Spirit's fire. The writer of Ecclesiastes says something similar. We're in Ecclesiastes 3. If we go back one chapter, listen to what he says, how how similar it sounds. There's nothing better for, for a man or a woman or a boy or a girl than to eat. What do we do every week? Most every day, we eat something. We drink something. And we thank God for it. There's nothing better for a human being than to tell himself or herself that his labor is good. Literally, nothing better than to cause our own soul to see good in our labor. I love a a little tagline, a little model that Chad Lowry has as a signature on his emails. So it shows up every time Chad emails you one way or the other. It's right there. If you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. Isn't that good? Find something in life that fits you, that's appropriate to you, that God has shaped you for, and take joy in that. This also I have seen that it is from the hand of God. Where is God right now? If you've eaten something, God's there. If you've had something to drink to refresh you, God is there. If you've had work to do, sometimes the work is hard But fulfilling, sometimes it's a little smoother, but it's impactful. Your labor is good. It's from the hand of God. For who can eat and who can have enjoyment without him? See, God gives us the ability to rejoice. God gives us the ability to have enjoyment. New Testament says, Paul again says, God gives us everything for our enjoyment. Jesus in the gospel says that our father, our loving father, knows how to give good gifts to his children. Some of us looking at a little two-year-old might not think that the best gift that they could envision was a toy functional vacuum. But our God and somebody who's a, who loves this little guy knows how to give good gifts to his children. That's our God. To a, to a person who's good in his sight, he gives wisdom, knowledge, and look what else he gives. God gives joy. Fast forward to Ecclesiastes 8. So I commend the enjoyment of life and just simple everyday gifts. There's nothing better for people under the sun, which some of you are just starting to be. I'm watching the time, right? Then to eat. Then to drink. I want to finish strong and on time, so I'm going to do that and thank God. cold refreshing water. Thank you, Father. And to be glad. And then joy will accompany them in their toil, in their hard work all the days of the life that God has given them under the sun. You get that I command I commend, but he really is commanding too, right the enjoyment of life that we would eat and drink and be glad. And if we do that, if we find joy, even in our tough times, even in the difficult things, it's very really interesting. One of the most painful experiences of life is death and loss. One of the hard things in this season is that some of you have lost people who you just deeply still feel that their absence. And yet, when we're able to gather to say goodbye to people that we love, almost invariably, as soon as we've done that, what do we do? Almost always... We eat and we drink because it's another opportunity to give thanks to our Father for His gifts, which include people that we love, people who are part of our lives, people that we look forward to seeing again. And if we do that, then joy begins to be part of our lives. When, when, we, when we seek joy, choose joy, look for joy, then Joy accompanies us in our toil. One of my favorite passages from Ecclesiastes, it's almost tongue-in-cheek, I think, is in the next chapter, Ecclesiastes 9. And our worship team is gonna come up and lead us into communion uh, just uh, as soon as I read this. It says this, Ecclesiastes 9, go, eat your food with gladness, all right? Today at, at lunch, say thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit thank you for this good, good food. Simple food can be so good. And drink your wine with a joyful heart. I don't know why. I feel like that verse hasn't been read out loud at Bethany a lot. Bob, what do you think? Through the years? Is that, I'm just, I'm just reading the Bible. Don't get mad at me. Alright? For God has already approved what you do. Always be clothed in white. Well, I fail that, right? But the idea is kind of dress up. Don't Don't walk around with your head down. Anoint your head with oil. And enjoy life with your wife, whom you love, all your days. Some of you may not have a spouse, but God says, enjoy life in community. I've referenced our grandkids, two of whom here. I enjoy life with my family. I enjoy life with my my co-laborers, my co-workers. I enjoy... Life with my late neighbors. I I enjoy life in community. But look at how he ends. Enjoy life with your wife, whom you love, all the days. And here he goes back to his theme. All the days of this meaningless life, miserable life that God has given you under the sun. All your meaningless days. (laughs) Many days are meaningless. Many days are frustrating. Many many years you go without the Lakers being back in the NBA Finals, right? Or the Dodgers making their way, hopefully, to a World Series. Or the Angels uh, would just go back to prayer. Pray without ceasing, right? Clippers. What? What? What's he saying? During your meaningless days, enjoy your life. Enjoy your relationships. Enjoy what you eat, what you drink. For this is your lot in life, and in your toilsome labor under the sun, so whatever your hands find to do, do it with all your might. For in the realm of the dead, where you're going, there is neither working nor planning, nor knowledge nor vision. Someday you'll wish you had the job that's hard right now. The Bible gives us profound perspective, and in the New Testament, Jesus writes and worship team coming up. I don't know why, but having steps to climb makes me feel more self-conscious, doesn't you? Right? I don't know why we would climb steps to go, you know, it's just different being outdoors. And Jesus was talking about Solomon one time and he said, you know, the queen of Sheba, she traveled an enormous distance to come to visit Solomon, to listen to his wisdom. But the people of her time will rise and bear witness against the people of this generation. Why? Because one who is greater than Solomon is here. And you see, the wisest man who ever lived was Solomon until Jesus came. And he gives us a perspective that embraces what we learn from Ecclesiastes, but also expands it and transforms it because he knows that when our meaningless life ends and we die, we are, if we were followers of Jesus and believers in God, we are then absent from the body and present with the Lord with a joy that never ends. And that price was purchased through a death, through the death of Jesus that we're here to remember. I'm going to ask Brother Billy, who will just walk quickly and, and bring me what I was told by my wife maybe four or five times. Make sure you pick up communion before you go up to speak. Brandon, you are always you're always in my corner. So take this bread, and Jesus said, This is my body, you remember, the wiser than Solomon knew that through the weakness of the cross, God would do something so powerful that the world would never be the same. Take this bread. This is my body, Jesus said. Do this in remembrance of me. Remember right now. Remember, remember, remember all the gifts that God has poured out of your life. So many of which I just see around me this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Solomon can tell us how to enjoy life but the greater than Solomon he died so we can experience life. Take that cup and open it up. Another weird season for us in time is having communion in this manner but it doesn't matter what the means are. Jesus said this fruit of the vine represents my blood and it's poured out for you. Living God, fill us with your Holy Spirit that Jesus died to make a part of our lives. Fill us, flood us, saturate us and help us to walk in step.